the thing where people say this is how Hitler started, I've heard that about every president since, like, Clinton. <laughs> so yeah, I just... No. And I and it's like how can Donald Trump and Jay Inslee both be Hitler? Like how though aren't they competing Hitlers? Maybe that's the name of the episode, competing Hitlers. <laughs> you know what? When it comes to the election, I vote for the lesser of the Hitlers every time. <laughs> lesser of two Hitlers. <laughs> You're never going to get your perfect uh, Hitler. You got to you just got to pick the lesser of <laughs> This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean, with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean. Hello. It's the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean. Uh, today's guest is Gabriel Rutledge, great friend of mine. He is the co-author the the headliner of the northwest af comedy tour uh by the way if you were planning on seeing us in boise december 4th and 5th we have postponed till march 26th and 27th uh idaho has some new restrictions um also like the entire country is just spiking like crazy uh we're approaching the holidays and all that stuff. So, uh, Idaho, Idaho has new restrictions, which is the re- that was the the nail in the coffin. But we had been in contact with the owner of the comedy club there for quite a while, and uh, had been talking to each other a lot. And we decided to not risk it. Uh, we just, by the way, we decided, and then literally within hours, Idaho decided that uh, it was very unlikely that show was going to happen. So, we'll make it out there people of Boise. Uh, Gabriel Rutledge is the host of the Rutledge's podcast. He has an album called Good Luck in Court that reached number one on iTunes. He uh, is in Oklahoma right now. As I record this, he's in Oklahoma being a touring comedian in the scariest time there's ever been to be a touring comedian, you could argue. And... um, I don't have a lot else to say. I have a lot to talk about, but I'm going to do it on the outro because I don't want to bore you too much. And uh, some of the stuff that I want to talk about, we address in the episode. So please enjoy Gabriel Rutledge. Follow him on, by the way, what a poor pronunciation of his name. Please enjoy Gabriel Rutledge. Find him on Instagram, on Twitter, at Gabe Rutledge. Find him on Facebook. Go to GabeRutledge.com. Find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now TikTok, and on YouTube, at uh, the Casey McLean. Please, please find me, uh, the rare person that listens to this podcast but doesn't follow me on social media. Go find me on those platforms. Uh, stand updates at the Casey McLean, uh, or at thecaseymcclain.com slash calendar. I have a Patreon for this podcast. Go subscribe to that. All right. Without further ado, the very funny and uh, great friend of mine, Gabriel Rutledge. Oh, how am I not recording this? How am I not recording this wonderful? Well, let's try to recreate the magic. So you have bad internet, so we're not going to do the Zoom. 
So now you can do the interview naked? I either way I was going to do that. <laughs> that's how much that's how much extra content I want your uh <laughs> paid subscribers my, to have. My uh, my uh, remarkably unpopular Patreon to have. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't think uh my uh you know <laughs> my my uh chubby nudity is going to help in that department sadly. <laughs> We've talked about HBO's real sex before, I think. Is that does that sound like something we would have talked about? I mean, I talk about it with people at the grocery store, so I don't know why <laughs> I wouldn't have brought it up with you. I remember when I was uh when I was younger, uh the like when I'd stay in a like for I'd do like a baseball tournament and they'd have HBO in like a motel and we would play horribly the next day because we spent the whole night watching like Taxi cab confessionals. Oh and, uh, my god! Yes. Now, see, I was. I'm. You know, I'm older than uh, most people, but yeah. So <laughs> about the time you were doing that, like high school, I was, I was uh, a young adult, but um, I, uh, you know, I didn't have TV growing up. Oh, oh, got his knees. <laughs> oh, just a touch of the Oklahoma COVID. I'll be good. Uh, <laughs> the. Uh, so that was like, first of all, I was watching a ton of TV because I didn't have it my whole life. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't, I don't even think I've watched less TV than most people. I made up for the average. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it was also like, this was also, I mean, pre-porn, on- online porn pretty yeah. much. And so like, it sound, it's almost cute and silly now to watch a real sex where they're like, oh, here's a group of middle-aged swingers who get together and you're like well this is almost boring but at the time you're like what yeah that's it's funny uh like the when you're younger the uh like the memories the things that stick with you like that molded you sexually uh are way more innocent like i i remember very specifically a taxi cab confessional where a woman and a man like, I don't even know if they actually had sex. Like, logistically, I don't know if it makes a lot of sec- sense now, but she, like, the way they showed it on the show is she fucked him in the backseat of this cab. Okay, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And that stuck with me as, like, a fantasy for, like, truly till I was, like, probably in my early 20s. Um, Like, HBO, or not HBO, MTV had a show called, like, Undressed that was just, like, this... Very, very, it's like a, you know, like Skinamax yeah. or whatever. That stuff's all like, I'd show that to my daughter now. It's so tame. It's ridiculous. Compared to what's well, on the internet. Well, first of all, I want to point out that we both watched the same taxi cab confessions with the person having sex in the backseat, the couple. You decided to have that as a fantasy to have sex. I was like, I should be a taxi driver. <laughs> That's... That's how little I'm involved in my own sexual fantasies. I just want to be near them. <laughs> I just want to drive the bang bus. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had a, it's funny because I didn't have, I had cable my whole life, basically. I actually just, uh, within the last 12 months, finally got rid of cable. But uh, I, my parents were like very strict about what we were allowed to watch. So I couldn't watch like MTV. Um, so basically it was like not having cable. 
yeah. like any of that exposure to to like sexual. My, at one point, do you, were you? I'm trying to think if this is maybe like a generational gap between you and I. Did you ever watch the show Doug? I'm aware of it, but I didn't really watch it. Okay, so on Doug, one day they called uh, one of the characters called another character a butthead. Yeah. And I, that show got suspended from my uh, my what I was allowed to watch. I had to like uh, almost like appeal it in court. I was like, "Mom, it's not so bad. Can you sit down and watch an episode with me? I think that you'll see that my client has redeeming value to children." Uh, she must have really hated Beavis's friend. Oh, dude, we never Beavis and Butthead was the reason we couldn't watch MTV. Well, I remember uh, this is some real old man talk, but The Simpsons when The Simpsons first came on. It was actually kind of controversial. Like parents, especially, you know, I don't know, conservative parents were like, oh, he's so disrespectful and it's mm-hmm. a bad example for the kids. And uh, which is kind of funny now because it's just a silly cartoon. But yeah, you know, you know what I was thinking about Cinemax and when am I not? Uh, <laughs> they they kind of told you things that were sexy that I just accepted as sexy. And then I don't even think those stereotypes are true anymore. Like for example, like they they really were like, "Look at these high heels. This lady's in high heels, huh? High." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like because they couldn't show that much. Yeah, it was just like it, it never had occurred to me that high heels were even sexy. But they just kept ramming it down my. You know what I mean? I was just like, "Okay, they're sexy. I believe you." Uh, like those stocking things. Do you know what I mean? Sort of like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something you'd see in a, a music video uh, in the 90s. And I, I, I just don't, I don't know if those, th- I mean, high heels are still sexy, I guess. But it is weird where uh, some of that, some of that stuff looks very 80s and 90s now. I got one for you. I remember uh, my uncle had, I remember two things about my uncle. He's the first, he had a stack of Playboys on the back of his uh, toilet. And he had this very... Uh, very advanced security system to make sure that kids would not look at these Playboys, which he would turn the bindings all to the wall. That was the first step in his security process. And then he would put one not even equally sized magazine of a different type on top of the stack. <laughs> one magazine. That was his... Uh, that was the way that he concealed his Playboys. And for years it worked, by the way. For years I never, I like National Geographic. What the hell am I, what, what do I care about National Geographic? But one day, like around my first erection, I was like, you know, I wonder if Uncle Tim, and I looked and yes, like my, it was like a treasure trove. And what I remember about, so I, I there, there's two things I remember. I tried, I was like, oh, maybe Uncle Tim has the Playboy channel. And he didn't have the Playboy channel, but you could get the Playboy channel through, like, static, and there would still be, like, you could hear it. You couldn't see everything. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember it was, like, a penthouse letter thing, which maybe it was the penthouse channel, but it was a guy, he's, like, talking about uh, spraying champagne onto a woman's groin area and (laughs) drinking it off of there. And he's, like, and he said it as though that's, like, an amazing experience, and I not, like as an adult, I'm like, I don't know what room in our house we could do that in. And I got to tell you, I think my wife would probably object to me spraying her with wine. I mean, yeah, I mean, you'd have to have a Dexter level of setup. <laughs> you you have a, a Patrick Bateman living room with like a tarp. Yeah. Honey, <laughs> it's our anniversary. 
I made some Patrick preparations. Bateman, no, what, I don't mean Patrick Bateman. Who, who do I mean? I, I was thinking know. of Christian Bale. Chris, uh, oh yeah, Christian Bale in that. Is it Patrick Bateman? I don't Patrick remember. Patrick Bateman's not. No, oh, yeah, that's Patrick Bateman. It is Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. Uh, but then the other thing I remember is when I actually opened these magazines is I was like, oh, that's really strange that women's breasts and vaginas are a way different skin color than the rest of their body. <laughs> because there were tan lines. I didn't know what yeah. tan lines were at the time, but it would be like a very, very tan woman and then someone who has the same skin tone as my legs around their their breasts and vagina. But I think that was that was supposed to be hot because it was like right. an extra, like, this part doesn't see the sun. <laughs> And we're like, oh shit! I shouldn't even be here. But I also, I do. I, I mean, this is a, this is stupid. Maybe, maybe I'm just old and nostalgic. But I feel like my first, first of all, I didn't see porn until I wanted to see porn. Oh, congratulations! And well, no, that's not true. There was a junior high birthday party that got a little out of control. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's also not the first time you want to see it. Uh, on a VHS tape with a bunch of other 13-year-old boys. Like, what are we doing here? What, what's the, are we taking turns in the bathroom? What's the plan at this party? Uh, but it was kind of like when I saw, like, Playboys and stuff, I was like, it was exciting. I mean, it felt kind of wrong to me because I was a Christian kid, but it was exciting. But I think most people's porn that they're going to see for the first time now since it's the internet their first reaction is going to be horror do you know yeah. what I mean? because it's it's going to be a couple years before you really want to see it and you're just going to be like oh dear god you know what i mean there's too it's too much and there's mm -hmm. it's not tan lines anymore casey <laughs> i well first I, I wanted to i had a, a joke that i wanted to say you said that the uh those parts don't see sunlight does that make uh, 1980s woman's vagina like the Bane of porn. Bane? It's Bane is the the Batman reference I'm looking for, right? Casey, I'm going to admit that I have um seen... I expected an eruption of laughter there. Zero so. to one Batman movies, and I'm so sorry. Oh my God, are you serious? You haven't seen... I feel, I feel like this is me like exposing myself as a bro, and you're still cool in punk rock. No, it's not cool have. to have never seen a Batman movie. It's not... You know what I mean? It's it's just... Uh, but Bane's the guy with the... He breathes through the mouth thing, right? The one that everyone does the bad impression of, yes. Right, and he's like, right. He's got a... So there's people... Trust me, Gabe. People are laughing. People are getting um, my, it. People are getting it. My mom is cracking up. Let's pause. We podcast. should pause for a second. Let him, let him enjoy it. Let's not step on your laugh. <laughs> uh, okay but i my first exposure to porn i believe was there's i have like apart from the playboy which i don't even really that's that's like uh art um, sure that's class uh but i remember and i think i think everyone more people than i would expect have this experience to make me think that it's almost like an organized government effort but the forest behind my middle school there was just like seven magazines that a bunch of people knew about that were just like wet from rain yeah in the forest and we would go back and look at them uh every now and then and like again you're like it's like four middle school boys in the woods looking at porn there is zero positive there are zero positive outcomes from that uh taken to its full potential uh that woods porn is that was a thing. I mean, I don't even think yeah. I participated, but I was aware of it. 
And uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's such a bizarre concept uh, for anyone born somewhat recently. <laughs> they like, yeah, what? there was like, like a, there was a community laptop set up somewhere. No, 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 no. <laughs> I I had a I remember I worked at this place called Canopy World in Des Moines, Washington. Oh yeah, right. Is that, visible, this... is that visible from the freeway? Oh, Gabe, I believe it is. It's uh, it is. Uh, I believe I've seen that. It, you take exit one forty nine, turn right, take a right on uh, Kent or take a right on Kent Des Moines Road, right on Pacific Highway, and you're right there. That's uh, the direction. That's so cool. That you're getting more sponsors. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so they used to have this guy that would come by with a he, I remember it very distinctly because he had like a great head of hair and a mustache which is like the perfect yep. guy for this yep. uh drove a new Chevy Impala not an old Chevy Impala and like a, a guy driving an old Chevy Impala might be um renting women to you a guy <laughs> driving a new Chevy Impala opens his trunk and he's got uh counterfeit tools and three packs of porn DVDs, uh, which you would get the three pack with no idea what the middle DVD was, which was, that's like, uh, that was like the, uh, like the Cracker Jack box of my early twenties. <laughs> but the, I, I'm assuming the middle one was not the best because always it, the worst yeah, of the yeah, three. Yeah. It was never like, it was never like there was a golden ticket in between. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it, what, what's weird about that though if we can if we can just think that all the way through is it still went through all of the process of making the DVD it's not like you know when you like uh when you like cut a like a piece of like a turkey down for example I've been uh, shopping for turkeys today so this is on my mind but there's parts of the turkey that you don't use so you like throw them into a pot and make a stock out of them sure that's not the way porn works it's not like Oh yeah, these uh, you know these hairy women or whatever the whatever the middle one is, they're just like extra. They they were they would have been there anyway. No, like the same amount of production work goes into those videos. Do you think they know? Do you think it's like like in the in the old days when they would when bands would put out an album and they were like, this is the B side. Do you think porn people knew where they're like this <laughs> this is not the hit. This is middle of the stack. Do you know what I mean? This is this is filler. Well, you've been in a band. When you make, like, do you know? Because I would assume that a band making a song is like writing a joke, where you're just like, when you think of the joke, you're like, this could be a single. Yeah, actually, and then you're just the ones that you're wrong on become the B sides. Yeah, the. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, you know, I was in a punk rock band, so we weren't doing. We didn't. I mean, I don't know what a hit cool would game. be. P people stayed in the room when we played it. Was that a hit? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would say it's similar to comedy with music where sometimes your first thought is, did I write this? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it makes too much sense and it yeah. came too easy. And that's the same with, with music where you're like, this is, is this someone else's song? <laughs> uh, so yeah, you kind of know, but you're also wrong all the time. Same with jokes. Cause I'm, you know, I've been really excited about things that were wildly unsuccessful on stage. Well, because that's like I, especially back then when porn was like less accessible, it seems like it had to have more broad appeal, right? This is like in the Johnny Carson days of porn, where uh, there were only three porns available, <laughs> no, three porn categories available. <laughs> if, if porn calls you over to the desk, your career was made the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but like somebody had to think like, 
hairy amputees. That's our. That's the. You know, some there's a huge market for this. Yeah, that's true because there is no. There's no. Uh, you know, like most popular porn on a site, there's no algorithms. There's no. You're just. You're right. You have to be broad. You're just throwing it out there. Like maybe people are into this. We we've done no research, but yeah. You know, hairy, not hairy. Who knows? Yeah, and now because everybody can find it because it's just on the internet. Now it's like, yeah, there's going to be enough people that if we make this hairy amputee video, enough people are going to be into that that we'll make. Uh, but if it's... Uh, by the way, our amputees... I'm sorry, it's, it was recently Veterans Day. I don't mean... I mean women, uh, to be clear. Uh, <laughs> That'll help. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, the <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, it's just like now that you can be a little more niche because so many people have access to it. But back then, uh, you know, you like you 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 got to print. You've recently made an album where you, uh, we've we actually talked about like what what would it cost to make like a vinyl? Yeah. Well, now there's like seventy five companies on the internet, but back then you needed like a DVD production house to make like there's probably two hundred thousand of these oh, these yeah. middle DVDs. I'm sure. Just a um, warehouse full of, and then the people who work there, are like, just probably, you know what I mean? Their first week, they were like, "This is crazy." I'm, I'm, you know, I'm boxing up, uh, best finishes, boner jams, <laughs> and then you know, a month in, it's just like it could be rice. You don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Dude, I remember my this guy I went to. This is actually the last time I got punched in the head was by this guy <laughs> in uh in school, and it wasn't even like, by the way. Uh, I was actually trying to be nice, but my friend was being really mean to him. He was, uh, he was a prick. Like from the time we were kids, I played on a, on a soccer team with him and he was a very bad soccer player and I was a goalie, but when you're a, and I wasn't good, but when you're a goalie, it's really easy to measure how badly you played. Like when he's like a midfielder, like how do you fucking know what a, seven-year-old midfielder does right. well or 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 badly but a goalie you're like oh yeah you give up two goals you suck and he would like make fun of me at school because his he had a horrible home life and his uh self-esteem was very low i well, as an adult i can i can deduce that <laughs> but uh at one point i remember in middle school he's like He's like, yeah, my, because he's single, single uh, parent, his single mom. And she, he's like, yeah, my mom makes 800 bucks a week, like bragging, which is like fine. I'm not, I don't, back then, that was uh, 58 years ago. It feels like 800 bucks a week wasn't like so, that wasn't like an embarrassing right. number. It's like, I guess. And when you're in seventh grade or whatever, you're like, holy shit, like I haven't had $800 my entire life. Right. Uh, but then he, he pointed out that it was uh, working at a, like a dildo, I want to say dildo factory, but it was like a dildo warehouse. It was like a like a distribution center for sex for like lovers package okay. or something like that. <laughs> but that that was a bad uh, admission for uh, this is a, this is a the early parts of what ended up leading to him punching me in the head is me and my friend finding out why that would his you, mom was packing dildos all day. Why would you give that ammo to anyone? I know, big mistake. It is funny to think about, because, you know, it's just, it could be any warehouse, but it's just funny to think about the things that had to be said to get business done. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, 
uh, we just got a phone call and they got a whole they got a whole shipment of eight inches and they're supposed to get twelve inches. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, the Fife location just called. They got the wrong color. Oh, it is the Fife location too. That is where I grew up. I don't know if you knew that specifically or if that's just your <laughs> reference for where there's warehouses all over. Yeah, the place. about right. <laughs> uh, the why, when I, so when I worked at a box factory. There, we always had like jokes about the product. Like I worked with this guy from Tanzania, and we had a color that was on the uh, on the uh, like on on a printing press called Ninety Black. And I'd be like, "Hey, his name was Jack." I was like, "Hey, Jack, can you start a bucket of uh, Ninety Black and and down two? And he's like, uh, "Excuse me, Ninety African American." <laughs> and uh, like that's a funny, funny sure. inside box factory joke. I am sure there were an abundance of those kinds of jokes. Inside of a dildo warehouse. There would have to be. Yeah. That's the only way you could get could get through it. Uh, by the way, did not intend on talking about porn with you for 20 minutes, Gabe, <laughs> but when, when you and I get going about porn, I just, we can't stop. It's, that's, that's how it gets you. <laughs> uh, how are you doing? You're in on the first, like, long road trip you've been on, I think, since March at least, right? Well, I have... Let's see. A couple weeks ago, I was supposed to be on a long road trip, and I did about half of it, and I was in Chicago, and then they shut down indoor dining bars. Uh, so comedy, obviously, too. That's <clears throat> that's how low comedy is on everyone's priority, priority list, is they don't ever mention it specifically. We have to figure it out. <laughs> uh, so that one, I got to come home early, or I had to come home early. Depends how you look at it. And uh, this one, I'm, yeah, I'm like halfway through a Oklahoma trip, like a 12-day trip. Um, and, uh, you know, it's when in, in March, I was in Spokane when the world was shutting down. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, this is a once-in-a-lifetime feeling of the world is shutting down for a health concern and I'm like the last comedy show going. I was like, wow, what a once in a lifetime experience. I have had that experience two more times in the next eight months. (laughs) So it's just so crazy to like, you know, I just go on Twitter and it's like state after state. I think Washington state where we live, I think they're shutting shit down on Monday, allegedly. Um, yeah, they, I was just actually before this watching the press conference. So it's it's so weird. And then to just like watch everything shut down, I'm like, well, time to go tell jokes for a room somewhat full of people, you know, <laughs> and Oklahoma might get there, but, <clears throat> you know, they're not going to be the first. Yeah. Is you have a joke that I love that's like a very short and simple joke that uh, you say. I think you told me it was like a, well, I'll just say it. I'll say it poorly, and then you can explain Perfect. it. Perfect. It's a, you go, uh, I'm on the road, and I miss my family a lot. Not on the first day, yeah. but I miss them. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, I'm curious if right now it's, like, depressing to be away from your family or the biggest fucking relief of your life to be away from your family. It's interesting because it's kind of uh, by by the way the um the Zoom version of that joke is uh I used to when I used to go on the road all the time 
I would miss my family, and now I miss missing my family. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't, I'm used to being gone and having a feeling of guilt because, mm. you know, I'm leaving my children more than I want to, or especially my wife, and she's got to deal with the three kids. It's weird because I don't, I don't have that right now because I just haven't been gone that much, you know? Mm. Uh, but the other side of that is, it's just when the world is chaos, and this is chaos in a way none of us alive have experienced before, you do want to be close to your family. You're like, you know, and so it feels like, okay, if I got a phone call right now that said, uh, well, unfortunately, uh, Oklahoma City shows aren't happening, my first reaction would be like, thank fucking God. Like, let me out. The shows are fun. Don't get on stage. It's fine. Yeah. But like everything around it is feeling increasingly insane. And so it's like, it's, uh, I mean, I'm not doing well. I'll just be, straight- <laughs> I'll be straight up honest. I am, you know, I, I feel fucking crazy. Uh, to, and it's, it's, uh, partly it's the safety. Obviously it's like, gee, I don't want it. I don't want to get it. And 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 right. the reality of if I did get it here, if I catch COVID in Oklahoma, I can't fly home. Right. I I get a hotel for a couple of weeks and hope I get a mild. You know, there's all these practical concerns as well as I don't want to die concerns. Uh, but it's it's not it's not even that I feel so much less safe than I did the last trip I took. It's just. You know, when the constant news of like, you know, I think here in Oklahoma, they're like, oh, there's 2000 positive cases a day. And, you know, they're uh, if you have a nursing degree from a different state, but you live in Oklahoma, they're like, congrats, you can be a nurse now because there's a shortage. You know, (laughs) it's you know, that's what the local news is. And then for the. The people who were going to my comedy show, those people saw the news and were like, who's at the loony bin this week? And I'm like, I'm starting to not, none of this makes sense. Like, my, my favorite part of that is they go, who's at the loony bin this week? Oh, never heard of him. Let's go anyway. That's what's, a, that's what's insane. There, it's <laughs> a couple people have heard of me, but mostly it's just like, yeah, we should, we haven't been out in a little bit. You know, so it, it's, it's, it really, it really feels crazy. On stage, it feels pretty normal, but then uh, everything else is, uh, and even, you know, I'm in a condo with two other people, which is like, well, that's a little less safe than a hotel would be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so it's, uh, it's, it really does feel like, uh, I'm not the only one, there's other places open. There's quite a few places mm-hmm. still going, but there, it seems like less every day. And uh, it just goes from like, you know, hey, this is my job. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden, you know, a weekend to a two-week Oklahoma trip, I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. Well, I wonder, too, if, I mean, you and I live in Washington where comedy has been shut down all but one month. And that one month was on a rocky, logical interpretation of the of the restrictions. Um so since March, uh, and so I wonder if like you're a comic in Oklahoma going on the road 
maybe doesn't feel as crazy as being a comic from Washington and going on the road. I do believe that to be true. I, I do think, because um, even talking, like the, the host this week is from Arkansas, and I'm, you know, we're just having conversations, because uh, I'm with Mike Mazzolotti, he's the middle act, and he lives in L.A., and we're just having like, what's it been like conversations? And he's like, the same. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing, they barely closed uh, in this area of the country, and then they reopened with some restrictions, but uh, it's not, it's just not, uh, it's not uh, that much different. And, you know, you know, California and Washington were like, well, our life couldn't be more different. You know, I, I think Mike, Mike did an open mic uh, at a Holocaust museum outside. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, shit's off the rails right now. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> I had, uh, I recently took my first COVID test. Have you ever taken a COVID test? I did two. I've done two. How, did you take them like after you came home from the road? Yeah, I didn't have any symptoms or anything. I just kind of wanted to know. Yeah. I had a, uh, so I'm not, I guess I'm not going to get into specific detail because it's become slightly dramatic. Um, and I don't want to be the, you know, I don't, I don't want anyone's drama, but my own. Sure. But, uh, we had potential exposure, like secondhand exposure. And so our daughter's out of daycare and we, uh, we, Took the tests. By the way, they're not nearly as bad as I I expected based on all the whining that I heard about them. I I think I think in the very beginning I think they've stuck it in your brain, but now it's just up your nose a little bit. It's not that bad. Okay, so they have maybe they've changed. I believe because, they did. Yeah. Okay, because that yeah, like I was expecting something yeah, like to literally tickle to to have a different personality when they got done with it, <laughs> and uh, it was. Yeah, it wasn't so bad, and then we got, they said, like, we would get results within five to seven days, and we got them two days later, Uh, and I I mean, one thing that it does is it makes me, like, a little more confident in getting them, period, so, like, yeah, I guess if I, so, you and I, I was thinking about this because you and I are, like, approaching a would have been approached. By the way, this I guess will are we okay to announce that the Boise date is delayed? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's every date you mention that you're doing comedy. One, you have to say if, depending on restrictions, and two, you have to say if the place is still open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, it's on. It's on their website. Has changed, so I don't feel bad at all. No, it's yeah, it changed. So December, we were supposed to do December 4th and 5th in Boise, and I was thinking about how the entire plan was, like, it wouldn't be so bad, uh, my daughter would be in daycare, and now, uh, like, that's, well, like, we're not sure what the situation's gonna be. Yeah. It's like, I've never been less sure than right this second. Also, I was like, well, what if I, like, do, what if I do have it? Which I don't. We got negative test results, but like, what if we do? What if I do have it? Like, what? I don't. I gotta go get another. I don't know. There's so many things that I just had never thought about because we've. I was also thinking about how little. This is like a real testament to how little social life, I uh, I have, is I started thinking about anybody that I had seen at all in like the time between when I could have been exposed, and when and literally, I texted two people. One was my mom, 
and another person was annoyed that I was like our contact was so inconsequential that they were annoyed that I was notifying them <laughs> that I had been potentially like my like you talking to you on messenger is the third most meaningful interaction I have <laughs> with someone who's not that doesn't live with me. <clears throat> yeah. That part of this sucks too because it really is like an STD thing. Mm-hmm. Of like you gotta, it's not all your partners. Well, that too, but like, it's like who have <laughs> I been around? Who did I, you know? And uh, that 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 part of the the whole thing sucks too. And but it's also like, I don't know. It's there are some wild inconsistencies in what is allowed and not allowed. Uh, you know, the in Washington State where a comedy club turned into a restaurant temporarily. They're allowed to like host trivia. Right. They're allowed to do karaoke or whatever. And it's like, that's, I don't know how, that's really not different than stand-up comedy. Um, mm-hmm. So that, I get that part of it from the business owner's perspective. I understand how crazy it is, but it's also like sometimes you hear, you'll hear um, clubs are like, well, we're super safe. Everything's six feet apart, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but like six feet is not, it's just a thing we made up. It's not, yeah. it's not a magical amount of distance that no one will ever get sick. You know what I mean? It's like, so I, depending on my mood <laughs> of the day, <laughs> I feel, I, I feel, I always feel bad for any small business owner right now. Cause I can't even imagine how stressful it is and how fucked you are. But at the yeah. same time, it's like, well, how come we can't be open? And it's like, well, because it's a raging pandemic mm-hmm. that's wildly out of control and you have a business where people go into a room and take their masks off and drink and eat and laugh and that's probably not the best thing to do right now. You know? So I, I, I feel yeah. both sides of it, it, it. But at the same time, it's like, uh, y- you know, if if you're a person who is saying it's not that big a deal if you're still one of those people you have to admit it's a way bigger deal now than it was in march yeah well that's the i think that's an interesting thing about i so uh that's funny you i was actually gonna i was gonna shoehorn some uh data that i had analyzed into this conversation oh, i'd love it i'd love some data um Nothing is more exciting on an audio medium than talking about graphs. <laughs> uh, so in uh, North Dakota, North Dakota is the the state that is being fucked the hardest right now. Right. Um, in August, they were like a lower third state in terms of like per capita infections and per capita deaths and stuff like that. And then Sturgis happened in South Dakota. And South Dakota and North Dakota are now the two states with the highest cases per thousand people or million people, whatever uh, denominator you want to use, um, the most cases per capita. And it's like not even close. Like uh, the third worst state is a full standard deviation below the below south dakota and the north dakota is like almost a full 
standard deviation above them. So like I, I saw this thing uh, from a guy that I follow on Twitter. I, my Twitter, the people I follow on Twitter are probably slightly nerdier than the people that you follow on Twitter. Like it's a, there's like a, there's a level of autism on my, uh, the people that I follow that I really like, but it's, it's certainly present. Your, tw- your Twitter's like, on the spectrum. My Twitter's on the spectrum. <laughs> so, uh, this guy was like, he lived in Arizona. Now, and Arizona became a hotspot, but he, at one point he goes, yeah, it might seem crazy to you that there's these restrictions because if you live in Arizona where I live, it's like one in every 500 people has tested positive. And if you live in New York, one out of every 500 people have died. Yeah. And so, yes, it feels different here than there. You could reasonably assume or you could like a reasonable person could come to the conclusion that the restrictions are overblown here in Arizona because you know it's rural and there's uh not a lot of like it's not like people are flying in and out of I mean Arizona there's I think an international airport but I don't think there's one in North Dakota no and so like I so I did this I did this uh another thing that I did was uh States that voted for Trump versus states that voted for Biden and the average cases per and it's like 30 percent more cases per thousand people in Trump states than Biden states. Damn. And the deaths are so like the those states, by the way, uh, are like growing faster also. So like that gap is continuing to widen. And then the deaths early on were like all uh, there was a lot of like nursing home deaths and there were um we didn't know like we had no therapeutics for it and we even even like we were putting people on ventilators and it turns out that maybe was like actually counterproductive right uh now are like we're a lot better at treating it and dealing with it and slowing the spread and even with that uh trump state deaths per thousand people have caught up to Biden states, which were like New York, New Jersey, uh, Washington, was I counted Wisconsin towards them, which is a state that's been hit pretty hard. Like the hottest spots early on were all like Trump wouldn't shut the fuck up about that. How they were all yeah uh, run by liber- liberal governors, and now like his own rhetoric is fucking his own base. <clears throat> I know it's I you know I saw a. Uh... Of course, it's Twitter, so you don't know exactly what's real. But someone I follow retweeted a a a, a thread of a it was either a nurse or a doctor. They're treating people for COVID, who are and the patient is telling the doctor, "I don't have COVID. It's got to be something else because COVID is a hoax." I saw that today, actually, and, and I just look. I think I'm in the middle, maybe as far as like. I understand in life you have to take you have to do the risk math all the time for whatever you do get in a car get in a plane <laughs> yeah you know I understand that so I'm not yeah. but at the same time it's like you're allowed to change your mind mm-hmm. you're you're allowed to go like I I changed my mind I mean cuz before look I've lived through so many scares. You know what I mean? Y2K, Ebola, things that just most shit didn't materialize. Swine flu. Yeah. And so I, I thought, you- well, this will be another one. And I was wrong. 
<laughs> and it's just if you're if you people you still see people holding on to like the death rates really low and it's like well thank god because now there's 250,000 dead people or whatever yeah. Do you know what i mean what? so it's like it's 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 it, it, i don't know it's a weird it's a weird steady in human psychology this whole thing especially when you look back at some of the 1918 flu stuff and they had an anti-mask league and i'm like we're the same we've been stupid forever yeah uh yeah i think uh i've had experiences where like i so when this was all starting i would people would ask me like what do you think about this and i was like i'm honestly like i'm pretty anti-alarmist in general so uh until there's like evidence i'm not going to allow myself to be but then like the second there was evidence, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, let's uh, let's maybe order some groceries. You know? Right, <laughs> like, exactly. And they were like, well, what do you mean? I thought you didn't think it was going to be a big deal. And I was like, no, 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 no. What I said is there's no evidence. Well, now we have a lot of evidence. And you started to see those guys that are like, uh, and it's by the way, it seems like it's always guys, but that are like, <laughs> this thing has a 99.992 whatever uh, sur- uh, survival rate. Which is like a bad interpretation of math. It means that that's the percentage of people that have like lived in the United States but have yet to die of it of this thing. Oh right, okay. It doesn't mean that they caught it. And you've seen those numbers. Those guys start to bring their numbers. I saw a guy the other day go, "We're not doing this for a thing that has a ninety-five percent survival rate." And you, I'm like, you realize <laughs> that ninety or five percent of this country is sixteen million people. Yeah. It, it, well, it's hilarious when people who are clearly ignoring the science bring their own science. <laughs> Masks don't work. Wait, what? Do you, you know what I mean? Like, what you you're, yeah. you're you just where's your science that says that? You know, uh, I don't know. It's really embarrassing to be a human right now. It's just, uh, you know, I just people who you know I. I hid everyone on Facebook. My, my wife was telling me today of someone in Washington state because they're shutting things down again. This big rant about elections have consequences and this is how Hitler got started. And and I'm like, what <laughs> the actual fuck is going on in your brain that you think because Washington state voted for a Democratic governor? What does that have to do with Italy, Austria, England, Oregon even? Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's just so bizarre to me uh, how absolutely insane people get. And I've decided it's just a different way to deal with fear. Yeah, that's probably true. Because, you know, I, my other career this year is I deliver groceries and there are people who still won't, you know, they peek out from their window like I'm, I'm carrying a bucket of disease. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and they haven't left the house and you're like, okay, I mean, put a mask on, go to the store, relax a little bit, you know. There's that extreme of fear and then the other extreme of fear is like it's nothing to worry about, it's all bullshit. I I just think I think it's kind of the same thing. Um but uh, you know, <clears throat> as the world is changing right now and we're clearly going into a dark time of the coronavirus, well hopefully the darkest time before vaccines. Uh I'm like, I don't want to be a hero. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I don't want to be the guy out here who's like, um, 
who's uh, I don't want to be the last person doing stand up comedy, and I'm not. But it's yeah. like I, I, you know, I, you know, my opinion on that it differs on the day because you know from the beginning people are like, especially famous comedians have been like really hard on anyone doing comedy, uh, and that bothered me. But at the same time, I'm like, um, you know, it, it's uh. It just feels like time to pack up my shit and go home. <laughs> yeah. You know? There's a couple of things there. First off, I think uh, the thing where people th- say this is how Hitler started, I've heard that about every president since, like, Clinton. <laughs> so yeah, I just... No. <laughs> and I And it's like, how can Donald Trump and Jay Inslee both be Hitler? Like, how the, aren't they competing Hitlers? Maybe that's the name of the episode, competing Hitlers. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? When it comes to the election, I vote for the lesser of the Hitlers every time. <laughs> lesser of two Hitlers. <laughs> You're never going to get your perfect uh, Hitler. You gotta. You just gotta pick the lesser of. <laughs> uh, pinch your nose, and then uh, also the, the the you've heard of Godwin's law, right? Which is like any argument once Hitler gets brought up, that yeah. signals the end of the argument. <laughs> yeah. We're just like living in Godwin's law now. That is yes, it's exactly true, and also. The idea that, like, you know how Hitler got started? He was really concerned with the health of his people. <laughs> That's what That was the beginning. Like, come, what are we even talking about? Like, if you want to make an... Look, I understand government control is not great, and I don't think we're going to get it all back. Yeah. I understand that concept, but at the same time, it's like, it just doesn't make sense about, you know, there's so many laws... For our own protection already. Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's whatever, seatbelt laws, DUI laws. You know what I mean? It's like, so it, it's, it's just, I get that it sucks, and I, I get that you don't like it, and I get you, if you own a business right now, you are panicking. I understand that. But at the same time, it's like, this is not about if you're in a red or a blue state, because red states are shutting shit down now, too. Yeah, and making mask mandates and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I the other thing about the comedians that is annoying to me is my entire comedy career has been in the era of time where comedians are constantly legislating other comedians. Yeah. Uh and to me, first off, like I saw a guy uh on Twitter, you know who Chris DiStefano is? Yes. He he posted like a quote tweet of this guy that was it was him and it was Chris De, uh, DiStefano and Giannis Papas have like a sketch out right now and the guy quote tweeted them and said I was cast as hipster number one in the sketch for Chris DiStefano's uh, Comedy Central special a couple years ago and he's one of the dumb or these two are two of the dumbest motherfuckers I've ever met. Okay. And, uh, so we've reached a point in this, like, scolding other comics thing where hiring you to do work is oppression. Like, hiring you to do work that you want to do is, like, that is, uh, grounds for, like, future victimhood. It's, I've kind of reached the point, I guess I'll just say this so that, uh, you don't have to. Uh, or, and you can just plausibly deny that you agree with me, but, um, 
anybody that's like any comic that's telling you you shouldn't do comedy is like not I don't think that's a friend of comedy. No. Um I think that local governments and business owners are the people who have the responsibility to stop comedy from happening. And comics some amount of comics are going to do comedy <laughs> like it's always there's always going to be the same way there's construction workers that want to get back to work or there's waiters and waitresses that want to get back to work. That's true, and I probably have said this before in one of our various podcasts, but it's- like, I'm stealing your joke, Gabe, or your point. <laughs> no, no. I just mean like no one, no one has any moral problem with the, bar, with the bartender going to work. Yes. Or, or, or the waiter or waitress. No one says, how could you? They go, hey, that's their job. Tough times. But mm-hmm. the comedian, how could you? Well, I'm the reason the bartender went to work. I'm just, I'm part of this uh, entertainment food chain, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it is very weird. Uh, it's very weird the morality that instantly came from comedy, not from the rest of the world, from comedy. Mm-hmm from our own um it it it's really weird man but we are not the rebels we are not the rebels we are not the ones who say fuck the system comedy is a school hall monitor you know what i mean it's it's really weird i was i'm gonna give him credit i was talking to uh, luke severide about this idea mm-hmm. uh comedian because we were doing a show uh that was illegal <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this show was, I was supposed to be on, and that one yes. was a COVID scare of mine. Yes. Uh, and he, 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 I'm paraphrasing, but the point we talked about was all the punk rock and all the rebels are conservative now. Yeah. Which just blows my fucking mind because, you know, I was the punk rock kid when I was 21, and we, we were like, fuck the whole system. Do you know what I mean? And now to see that entire switch around to be like, uh, you know, now the right is the side that's like, you can't tell me what to do. And the left is the side of like, we need more rules. It's like, man, I've lived too long, I guess. Yeah, uh, well, I'm sure I'm not the first one to make this point, but we live in a time we've gotten to see... Uh, J.K. Rowling's books. You might have even said this on your podcast, but we've gotten to see J.K. Rowling's books. Uh, we've seen people want to ban them from the religious right, and now the woke left. All in our lifetime. Yeah, it's true. And and I'm still, you know, I don't get me wrong. I was I was just making fun of the right for comparing our Washington State governor Hitler. It's not like it's not like I'm all of a sudden universally on their side now. But it is, it's really, it's funny in a comedy perspective. I know this isn't how it works, but when things are safer, when things are somewhat getting back to normal, which God, I hope is not too long from now, mm-hmm. and people start coming back, I do have this thing where I'm like, oh, now, now you're coming back. Like, I never stop going out. Maybe I'm an idiot, but it's like, yeah. so because I needed the money and maybe I'm just stupid, 
I kept touring through all of the dangerous parts of COVID. And now that it's safe, you're going to come back and take my fucking spot? Fuck that. Yeah. But that, of course, is not how comedy works. Uh, and, of course, they will take my spot if they're more famous than me. But at the same time, it's like, it's, uh, it's this really, the people who were professional comedians, the level of comedy where you were a professional comedian, if you've sat this whole thing out, well, congratulations. You must have an amazing podcast or you just had a Netflix special or you've done something where you're not running out of money. Because for the rest yeah. of us, it's like, uh, I got to do what I can do. Yeah. No, I know. It's, uh, and it's like, I guess that there's like, you know, I don't even know an example. You can't name like an explorer or pioneer now without like acknowledging their uh, effect on uh, white supremacy. <laughs> so, um uh, <laughs> let's say Magellan because that seems ethnically ambiguous but I'm sure he was a fucking Italian racist <laughs> I'm sure he did uh, something <laughs> but the point is is that Magellan is I'm sure there were people who were like that guy's a fucking idiot by the way I also think he was beheaded and they gave him a lot of credit because like his severed head made a big chunk of the trip wow. but uh but uh he my point is is that like whoever the person is Christopher Columbus Lewis and Clark uh these I'm sure white supremacists um I'm sorry everybody that's listening for mentioning their names and making you feel unsafe but <laughs> my point is, is that somebody had to think those guys were idiots and there was also probably a bunch of Magellans and Columbuses and Lewis and Clarks that we don't even know who they are because they failed along the way but the ones that succeed like the 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 punk rock stories that we hear about, uh, where the band like there's a million bands that never that toured the country and burnt out or everybody got too old to keep doing that, and we we have this like romantic version of it that's uh whoever like the fucking misfits or something like that right, but but there's a hundred a hundred bands that were uh, maybe not as talented but like as driven. And mm -hmm. it just never happened, and we like we love those bands too. So you're like maybe you're the the guy that gets to tell the romantic story at the end of this, or maybe you're just the guy that's like, yeah, I just kept working through the whole fucking pandemic because I love comedy so much and I needed to feed my family. Yeah, and and the reality of that is that is the story I'm hoping to tell. Uh, but that story takes a drastic turn if I get COVID. <laughs> yeah i mean now it becomes a movie right like yeah. uh, or you get a if uh the last uh five or six years are any indication maybe you get a netflix special on that alone yeah it's you have uh, to get bad symptoms <clears throat> right right well if i get it i'm gonna pretend uh no matter what um yeah i don't uh yeah that, i mean that's the uh that's the crazy thing about all of this is is, is all of us have our line of like some people think I'm insane for touring at all. Um, and I see people who are touring post pictures with audience members where no one has a mask on. And that's my line. Yeah. Where I'm like, you're insane. Do you, you know what I, I mean? This, like, I had this thought cause uh, I'm a big fan of Mark Norman and he's like, probably ah. touring, 
<laughs> good, good Norman. Uh, I have this. I had this thought. It's stupid because he's like touring as much as he's ever toured. Maybe I think maybe more than anybody else in the country outside of Chris Frangiola is fucking everywhere. Also, Mark Norman and Chris Frangiola yeah. are are leading the. Uh, anyway, I was like, oh, how lucky is he to not have any family that he cares about right. close to him? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that's a fucked up. That's like a fucked up. Uh, like as I. When I think that, you know, obviously you walk through the the actual feelings of that and you're like, oh, yeah, he's a miserable person, which also probably contributes to the amount of uh, jokes he's able to write uh, with no feeling attached to the horrible <laughs> shit he's saying. And I love him, by the way. He's one of the best comics in the country. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's like I exclusively feel envy when I see when I see people out touring. Well, it really has showed that you know it's i don't know i'm not going to say comedy is a mental illness <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people have maybe people with mental illness have gotten into comedy i don't know what you want to say uh i'm not saying a sad clown thing but i just mean like there's i guess my excuse for some of the stuff i'm doing is like I need the money. I had a nice chunk of money from the government, but we blew through that. Not all of it, but you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I got to, I need money. I got to, yeah. and there's that stimulus ain't coming for a while. So I, I need money. Uh, but a Mark Norman level or a, um, I think about Burt Kreischer a lot uh, because. Is it the, is it the. The chest hair and the... I mean, he just... He's not conventionally sexy, <laughs> but there's just something about him. Um, he, he's like... I mean, he makes me think I should take my shirt off. <laughs> Another uh, great joke of yours, by the way. He is... It was immediately like, I'm doing... Uh, my, my point is he couldn't stop. He yeah. couldn't stop. He's like, I'm doing drive-ins. I'm doing socially distant things in clubs i'm doing like at a, and he's a multi-millionaire mm -hmm. i'm assuming he just couldn't not be at this point uh yeah. and so it's like it, it is a weird thing where um you de you do and that, and that's a guy who's toured so hard for so long you would think at least this first six months he'd be like this is actually kind of nice I, i'm gonna talk to my kids and uh, but no, but no, it's immediately, I got to get up. I get back on my bus. I got to get out among the people I got to do. And I don't, I don't, I've never talked to a person who said uh, a drive-in comedy show was good. Yeah, that sounds, it sounds bad. Although, I mean, everything that I've done during the pandemic sounds bad and it's all been like still fun. I mean, that's outside true. of like maybe some of the worst Zoom shows have been bad, but let, like, we did a bunch of backyard shows. I had Those a fucking great. blast every single time. Yeah, backyard shows were backyard shows were the highlight of my comedy year. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, well, it was also it was a uh, the numbers were like much better in the summer, but it was also like people were like really excited that we were there, and yeah. uh, it was kind of a new experience. And my for the touring. It's, 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 it's a shitty version of what the experience used to be. 
Sure. You know, when I was doing backyards, it wasn't like, oh, man, last year my backyard shows were way bigger. I had, you know what I mean? There's nothing to compare it to. But, like, the way I'm doing it now, you know, from mask on a plane to uh, wiping down all the handles when I get to a room and... To, and then I, I go to the I go to the the comedy club and it's they're taking people's temperature well not in Oklahoma but other places uh, <laughs> and that everyone's socially distanced and there's not that many people at the shows and it's just like oh especially you know I was in Chicago whatever that was a couple weeks ago my favorite week of the year maybe at Zany's a club I'm thrilled to ever get into a club that's amazing. It's in an awesome neighborhood in Chicago. You can walk around and do cool shit. There's a bar right next door that I love. And it's like, so, but I go this time and it's like, you know, no one's in the bar. And the, the, the club is 20 people sitting far apart. And, you know, most, a lot of the shit in the neighborhood's closed. And it's like, it's like this ex-girlfriend you're trying to like recapture. Yeah. You're trying to like recapture the magic of different times. We're like, oh, remember? That's that bar we went into. That's, this is the club we love. And it's like, after a while, I'm just like, I have to admit that this sucks. This is not, you know, this is a shitty version of, of what my life used to be. But backyard comedy was not that. Backyard comedy was just the joy of performing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I mean, I think like it also, uh, even me paid pretty well. It ended up paying pretty well. People were very generous. I didn't charge a lot, but people just gave money because they were like happy. Yeah, I mean, I think every place I went with you, the expectation was never that I was going to get paid, and I got paid uh, every single time. And I would have, con- I my I almost was like, shit, uh, don't pay me, and you know, book another one of these. Like what? Like yeah. let me come again. I'm not. I, uh, the, the amount of, or the, like, I would have done many more shows for free than people realize, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, personally, I know, I know, like, it's a, it's different, first off, like, you're, you know, the product you're offering is, is different than me not doing comedy for six months and jumping into someone's backyard and doing, uh, 25 or 30 minutes or whatever, but, uh, yeah, man, I just, like, it's so, I just, so, I mean, the fu- we're on goddamn Zoom, I'm actually, like, now, that uh we canceled Boise. I'm like I gotta, I gotta like try to do some Zoom shows because that was the the Boise thing was the only thing I had left in 2020. I think yeah, I really do think it's kind of gonna be back to Zoom, but no one wants to do Zoom anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's the problem. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm trying. I've been. I've spent more time like as though it's March again, and I was like, oh, eventually somebody's gonna figure out the platform that's better than Zoom for live performance, right. and I don't think it's happened yet. Like I've, because it, like either you can have like basically nobody in the audience, which seems miserable, or it's Zoom where like everybody's mic has the same priority, and somebody's laughing can shit on your punchline. Yeah, and uh, the it sounds horrible, and everybody's on like a poorly linked Bluetooth AirPods setup, and sounds shitty, and there's no yeah, it's uh, but I I want to ask you this before because I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go in just a minute, okay? Um, because I I want to watch the Seahawks game, and you have a um, uh Italian or no, I guess he's Hispanic. He's a little Italian, kind of. I think. A little Italian, a little Hispanic, uh. 
Mike Mazzalotti to tend to, which tell him hi, by the way. I like Mike. I will. We're going to go to the center of the universe today, which is a circle in Tulsa <laughs> in between buildings where for some reason, you, if you talk, the echo instantly comes back into your own ear. Oh, weird. Yeah, it's really crazy. It's like you're wearing headphones for your own mouth, but, but no one else can hear it. That's the crazy thing. No one else can hear the echo? Right. Oh, strange. Only you can in this one circle. So, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't go see all the sites. I don't go to a lot of art museums, but I'll stand in a circle. <laughs> uh, you've been a comedian through two George W. Bush presidencies or terms, two Barack Obama terms, a Donald Trump term, maybe a second, depending on how this all turns out, uh, depending on how he's able to. Uh, it depends on who the military who the guy in the tank decides he voted for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just move in when he's golfing. <laughs> uh, I am. What I want to know is, because I heard a lot of people at the beginning of Trump's presidency say, oh, this is going to be great for comedy. One, like he's going to be this, like, this uh, fodder for material, this like never-ending fodder for material. And people are going to be less sensitive. And I think both those things were not true. Like, I haven't heard a good Trump joke in fucking years. I, the only thing, there is a guy, a, a former Seattle comic that lives in L.A. now named Austin Nasso, who does a really good Trump impression. And I've enjoyed that. But, like, there's not, like, he's funnier than most of the people trying to do material about him. Yes, there's, well, there's a lot. One, to parody a human who's already a parody of a human is hard to do. <laughs> yes. Uh, but the yes, the idea that Trump was going to be good for comedy is it could not have been less accurate. Uh, for for what we do as far as like an audience, it's really just it's divided people more. Mm-hmm. Um. The it's never been easy, but the idea that it was a comedian's job to make fun of no matter who was the president used to be a thing that is just not true anymore. Uh, yeah. It, and it's made, you know, both sides are snowflakes about jokes, you know? And so yeah. it's, you know... I don't know if this is going to make it, I don't know if uh, Biden will make it better, but I do know, <clears throat> you know, the, the night, I guess the night after, when, it seemed, when Biden was like, going to win, mm-hmm. did you happen to see the Colbert thing? No, I didn't. So, <sighs> I say this as a left of center person, but like, the, <sighs> Pretty much Steve, Stephen Colbert and uh, um, Seth Meyers, uh, maybe even Jimmy Kimmel. Not so much Jimmy Fallon, but like every single night it's Trump. Every yeah. single night. And Stephen Colbert was, he was talking about how Trump was being an idiot and like not conceding and blah, blah, blah. And he just started crying. Oh my God! He was just crying about sadness for the country, and and look, 
I I do think it was sad for the country. I do think it is sad for the country the way Trump is acting. I don't need my late night talk show host to be crying about that. I mean, after 9-11 or something, sure. After Letterman had a heart surgery, sure. She had a couple tears, have a poignant moment. But yeah. like, what the fuck? This is supposed to be a comedy show, man. Yeah, like, I mean, I think like like Kimmel, Kimmel's from Vegas, and after the Vegas shooting, he cried, and like, I'll give him a pass on that. I'm not a person against emotions. I'm just saying, on either yeah. side, when the most important thing in your comedy is to make a point, you're done. Mm-hmm. You're done. Well, that's kind of what I'm hoping is, because I, I will say, like, I have... Actually, in this case, not out of fear of retribution from comedians, because I actually think uh, that's the thing I'm most afraid of. I have been most afraid of. But I actually think, like, Biden is such a an uninspiring candidate <laughs> that I have been like, I, I, like, I actually felt kind of liberated because Katie Herzog said that she's a single-issue voter this election and it's to get donald trump out of office yeah and i was like oh fuck that makes me feel so much better about voting for this guy who i think is fucking like mediocre at best as a candidate and who is like now finally once he actually steps foot into office i'm like i can finally make a joke about this guy but i didn't want so, like, right. I didn't want to be one of the people contributing to, and I also, by the way, thought it was going to be very close. And so what is, like, yes, my tweet isn't going to be the thing that I, my joke isn't going to change the outcome of the election. <clears throat> but if enough people point out his flaws, like, I'm telling you, like, I was biased, my, and I'd prefer my comedy to be unbiased, right? Like, I'd like to be able to be not Republican or Democrat. I'd like to be the guy sitting like a level above that making fun of both when they deserve it yeah absolutely really what i what i what i actually do is to not address politics at all but what's happened is everything has become so politicized that what i think is like a fairly innocent joke becomes like misogyny or white supremacy where i'm like this is a i'm the butt of this joke don't you get that yeah. Yeah, and and, and again, I I guess I don't I don't have the illusion that every single comedian should have no opinions or um I think you can tell how someone leans no matter what comedy they're doing for the most part, but it's yeah. it, it, the idea that every late night talk show show is a political show now or it's yeah, it's it's exhausting and I you know that's it's just so funny that like you know a lot of the trump people who are mad uh, are just like how could he have lost i didn't see any biden signs and it's like no one gives a shit about biden we just hated trump yeah do you know you know what i mean it's it it was an anti-trump vote no one who's fired up about joe biden but what what we what i want even besides it's like not even an issue thing or a policy thing it's like can we take a breath can yeah. can we get some boring, terrible government instead of a, a internet troll doing it? 
Yeah, I think, and I'm like, I'm at a point where I'm like, I want to be like, because people I know who were calling Biden a Republican are now like, love, they love Biden now. And I'm like, can we at least acknowledge that the laptop thing's a little fucking weird? Like, can we at least, can we at least like now that it's the elections over, (laughs) go like, it's a little weird that his son was like selling his influence, right? We can agree on that. Like right. the government is our employee. So whether we agree with them more than we don't, like we can go like, this is a little fucking shady. Sure. Yeah, I, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. We can do that. And uh, I, <laughs> you know, I guess, uh, I guess I just want the government to go back to like civilly, and secretly behind closed doors fucking us over. Yeah. Instead of uh you know so out loud. Uh Yeah. Uh so on it, Twitter. Yeah, and exactly. On Twitter. Exactly. And you know and uh but I will say look, I I am a person who sees a lot of I criticize the left a lot in my life cuz I guess I am left. So it's yeah. like, I, I agree that the Democrats have lost the working class. I agree that identity politics is not doing the party any good. I, you know, I, I agree with all those things. But at the same time, it's like, then you show a Trump voter uh, who's wearing camouflage and screaming while they hold a, 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 the Confederate flag. And you're like, okay. If I'm going to criticize the left, I have to be honest and be like, these aren't the people we can reach across the aisle and get. This isn't a working class issue. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I think one of the things is, I think there's a lot of, first off, Stephen Colbert, Seth Meyers, all those shows, CNN, MSNBC, they are losing the Super Bowl from their channel. Like, They've never had a more compelling enemy. Oh, for sure, yeah. Than than Donald Trump, including like, you know, people have like my my dad's girlfriend is like a very nice woman, but she's like, name me one good thing Donald Trump has done, and I'm like, well, I don't know if it's a good thing that he's done, but there's forty five thousand fewer dead Iraqi civilians than in Obama's last four years. Uh do I think it's because Donald Trump loves the people of Iraq? No, I think he's incompetent and uh, probably just, you know, prioritized other things or whatever than uh, drone strikes. But like, yeah, we got to like, we got to like look at the whole picture. So like, yeah, there's, there's going to, there's so many people in this country that there's going to be enough morons waving Confederate flags uh, that we can get video. We can get video evidence of those people. I think a lot of Republicans, including the politicians, did the thing we were talking about, the like lesser of two Hitlers thing, right? And like, yeah. we're like, fuck, I think this guy, like, I'm still pro life, even though this guy's horrible. So I'm going to, I'm going right. to plug my nose and vote for him, grip my teeth, plug my nose and vote for Donald Trump. Uh, I think there's a lot more people like that than there are even like the, the, I mean, I'm sure there's like some people who really don't hate Donald Trump, but I, I think a lot of people on the right are also ready to get back to not having that be the thing that represents them. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I would think so. 
and that, and again, I don't, I'm not, a, I don't even know what percentage uh, of people that I would call the extreme Trump voter there is, but I'm not. Yes, I think racism plays a. I think Donald Trump is racist. I have no problem saying that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but and I think that has played a part. <clears throat> but the the narrative that, well, how many Trump votes? Did he get like there, oh there's seventy one million racists in this country? Right. Uh racist to the level that they're voting for I'm not talking about some sort of internalized thing you don't even know about. I mean like an outwardly I'm voting for this guy for racist reasons. I don't think it's seventy one million people. Right. You know, God I hope not. <laughs> well it would be like to me, it would be like if they were like uh if they showed uh like a the Antifa guy that shot the shot the uh, whatever far right guy in Portland, and they were like, yeah. these are the people we reach across the aisle to. Well, like, no, obviously, there's like it's called nut picking, right? It's like obviously like the nuttiest version of anything. Uh, but I, you said something earlier that I think I I can't remember exactly what you said, but it it I remember it sparked this in me, which is. We got to let people, you got to give people the opportunity to convert, right? Like we do all this campaigning and mm -hmm. arguing on the internet. And if people go like, oh, I changed my mind. Yeah, you said you, you have to let people change their mind. Yeah. And you also have to let them change their behavior. And I think you have to do it graciously. Like we're all just so obsessed with like dunking on people now that you can't go like someone's like, ah, fuck, you know what? You had a point the whole time. And you're like, okay, that's it. That's all I wanted. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. And I, the amazing thing to me is it's it's people my age. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, we've all lived long enough <clears throat> that we've we've changed our mind drastically about many things, about <laughs> music, about partners, about whether or not we wanted children. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like if you're if you're 40, 50 years old, look at your own life and you know, whatever tattoo you got when you're 20 looks so stupid now. Of course it does. But at the same time, you're just doing it again. Yeah. You know, about not necessarily about your tattoo, but I just mean to lock into an idea. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. And it's also I, embarrassing, by the way, that we've spent these four years debating the efficacy of identity politics and calling this guy Hitler. And he's more popular with Jewish people and minorities than he was before we started all this whining. You know what I mean? I know. Like, it's like, like, and then, and then I said this on my last podcast, but it's so insulting to be like, well, if you, like, if you're one of these black people that's voting for Trump, uh, we're protecting you and you're just too stupid to know what's good for you. Like, that's more racist to me than like that. Then, then much of what like Donald Trump is sort of like the dog whistle racism, like he's blowing that dog whistle. I understand that. Yeah. But the thing where you're like, if your opinion differs from me, it has to be because you're too stupid. There's no other explanation is <laughs> right. so right. condescending. And then when it's like we go, well, you have to listen to minorities like you can't ignore minorities. And we're like, OK, well, these uh 35% of Mexicans are saying they like they prefer Donald Trump and they're like well they're fucking idiots but the the other 65% like that's the smart ones those are the smart ones i know there's nothing 
whiter and liberal than, <laughs> than deciding uh, that you know best for a people that is not you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I'm going to go watch the Seahawks game on that note. <laughs> Must be nice. Must be nice. I don't I don't have cable here. I got to watch. You don't even have cable in the in the no, condo? No, I got it. There's TVs, but they're like for Hulu and Netflix and all that. There's no uh, there's no live TV, so. Oh, man. I'm going go to right. I'm going to go whisper in a circle in Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, another episode with Gabriel Rutledge in the can. Uh, I always enjoy talking to Gabe. Uh, I he's I have stopped writing down when I've interviewed him. I don't write down anything, which I think is a testament to just how fun he is to talk to. Because especially when I'm talking to somebody that I haven't talked to before, I'll have like a list of topics. Kevin Dombrowski. Uh, or Katie Herzog, I didn't. I didn't know them at all before. I knew things about them, but I had never met them before uh, having them on the podcast. And so, with both of them, I had these like long lists of things. And uh, and Lewis Logic, but by the way, these are all great episodes. Lewis Logic, I actually have known so long, uh, but I, and especially known of, but I had actually interviewed him many years ago that I actually, I wanted to go back and make sure that there wasn't something I was missing and I hadn't talked to him in so long that it was like, I had a list for him also, but with Gabe, nothing. Not, I had like a couple topics. I wanted to talk a little bit about the election and I wanted to talk about, um, getting a COVID test because yeah, like I said on the episode, if you, if you fast forwarded through the episode for some reason, by the way, that's the biggest fuck up you can make is to skip Gabriel Rutledge. But if you didn't catch it or you were uh, you were playing with yourself or you were at work or whatever, you let it play through. If you didn't hear me say, I got I did get my first COVID test. It's the first, I have a suspicion. I don't have a lot of confidence in it, but I have a suspicion that I had it in early February, late January, early February, but I have no way of proving it, but I did comedy in Indianapolis and the headliner had like a, an unexplainable, by the way, here's the thing is I feel guilty saying this and I, it's so hard to contextualize what this year was like because we knew what COVID was. We weren't calling it COVID by the way, we were, call, we were calling it coronavirus in late January, early February. We knew what it was, but like the first cases had hit Seattle. And actually, so I was at, I was in Indianapolis and the first, the next, uh, round of discoveries were cases in Indianapolis, but like after they found it at the Indianapolis airport, but it was before I got there. I, I arrived after that. So when I was in Indianapolis, I worked with the headliner who was like very sick high fever couldn't get a hold of that fever and uh he still performed and then i immediately got sick and i missed i missed some work in my day job uh i went to like a like a team dinner for work and i like barely made it i felt really shitty but i i went anyway and then my mom and my mother-in-law both got 
uh, some type of pneumonia is what it what it seemed like at the time. And so my thought, I that's why I think I had it. As much as anything, it's that I got and my daughter was sick like immediately thereafter. Also, and I, they, by the way, they say kids don't get it. Anyone that says kids don't get it is wrong. They just don't die from it. They don't get maybe as severe as symptoms. Uh, my daughter was sick immediately after. My mom and mother-in-law, both sick immediately after. So I have a suspicion, but I have not gotten an antibody test because I know myself. And I'm one of these dumbasses who, if I found out that I had immunity, which we don't even know officially, but they say, what is it, the saying? It's a absence of evidence does not mean evidence of absence. So... We just, this thing is so new. So we don't actually know the immunity. There's been like a handful of reinfections, like certifiable reinfections in the world since this all started. So anyway, I haven't got, I've, I think if I got an antibody test provided they're accurate and the antibodies last that long, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that they have, that I have the antibodies. So I had like a secondhand exposure. So exposure, like maybe like third hand. It was like exposure to someone who had been exposed to someone who had been exposed. And we we were very cautious. I got my first, especially because here's what I'll say. The uh, I won't comply people or the anti-masker people. I actually, this is what I believe out of all this. And this has kind of been my belief since about three months in when I went three months without seeing family, I it's like very sad when my daughter was very young. My mom came to our porch. My daughter's still very young. We haven't been in this that long, but early on in the, in the pandemic, my mom came to our house and like, like it was uh like she was visiting a prisoner. My daughter and my mom talked to each other through the, or like, you know, my, my mom got to see my daughter through the, we have a plexiglass storm door at our house. <laughs> it, was, it was very sad. Uh, it was a very sad situation. So we've been extremely careful, including like when I've done backyard comedy shows or comedy shows, period. Uh, we, it's not as though I quarantine every time. But I rarely leave the house after. I make a conscious point of not leaving the house after. And I also make a point of delaying the next time I see my mom or other family members so that I don't get them sick. And uh, my belief is that the reward for that, for us being careful and for our parents being careful is that though we aren't officially living together, they become our de facto like quarantine pod, right? These are people that we trust are behaving in a way that we all find safe. And so I do think if you're acting reckless, you got to skip your family's Thanksgiving. I understand that. I also understand people, I'm, I'm like, I get the people who were like, fuck that, I am not, I don't, you know, I, I've, there, I've seen these signs that are these nerds, like, I will not comply. Okay, dude, it's not, I mean, 
It's a fucking pandemic. You haven't been complying this whole time. You're not sacrificing. You're gaining off of this. You're gaining this this feeling of victimhood and oppression that you that probably by the way the same people who are saying the like I will not comply thing are also the same people who like rail against people for being for creating a victimhood currency and then they're doing it themselves so my family has been very careful we talked to everybody that we were inviting over for Thanksgiving and said, Hey, what we want to do is from two weeks out till Thanksgiving, everybody's got to be really careful. No stand up comedy for me. Uh, no, like we're not, we, so, and also by the way, now that we have this, this potential exposure, we're now not going to grocery stores which is tough because we're having Thanksgiving at our house. So we're going to have to order 100% of our Thanksgiving stuff. Our, the day that we would feel comfortable breaking this quarantine, even with a negative test, because I believe that is the, the protocol. It's, at minimum, it's like seven days in a negative test, but I think that uh, 14 days. So... We have a negative test under our belt. If we're symptom-free after 14 days, then that would give us like two days to shop for Thanksgiving. And I don't know if you've seen the news, but these situations where they start to restrict people's behavior do not lead to the best shopping situations. Uh, In fact, I've already seen... In Washington State, they're closing like indoor dining and they're trying to restrict uh, social gatherings. And I've already seen pictures of empty toilet paper shelves. We once again are in the fortunate situation that we have the last time toilet paper, the last time toilet paper stock rose, uh, we had just purchased a new. Costco case of toilet paper. And so we never had to like fight for toilet paper. We did put it on like a, an Instacart shopping list a couple times, or like I tried to order it off of Costco's website. Just one though, which is, and not really much earlier than we would have ordered it anyway. Uh, but this time around, we're also in good shape. I think we're sitting on like a case plus six rolls or something like that. In fact, one of the things I'm going to do when I'm done recording this podcast is go verify all of our supplies. <laughs> we're back in it, folks. We're back in it. It's, <laughs> uh, it sounds like the, the vaccine is promising. I have some hope that 2021 can kind of return to some level of normalcy. I have thought about this though. If you're an anti-masker, this isn't going to resonate with you, but it's going to be a little bit of a shock to go from wearing a mask and being judgmental of other people not wearing masks 
to just not wearing masks. It's, I can feel my trauma response to this already happening. The same feeling you have when you see somebody with their, like their nose hanging out of their mask or not wearing a mask when they should, or behaving in a way that's, that puts the other people around them in danger. I think we're going to all have that for a little while. In fact, like I would not be surprised if the, the entertainment venues that don't, I don't know what we're going to do, by the way, like this immunity pass thing. This is where, this is where I'm like a little sympathetic to a conservative viewpoint sometimes is the idea of people having an immunity pass to do otherwise legal things. While I understand the utilitarian benefit of it, it's that is oppressive potentially. It's not that, and people look like the, the, the problem is that we, we always interpret an opposing view in the least generous way possible. So, when somebody says, I'm a little worried about a COVID uh, immunity pass, people go, oh, you're like one of these nut jobs that thinks the government is out to track you. And it's like, no, I don't think that. But we also saw contact tracing immediately turn into tracking down protesters, right? We saw... Forced mask wearing turn into anonymized violence on the streets very quickly. So, of course, the person, like, you got to stop taking everybody's reluctance as the worst, most bald and least nuanced, uh, version of what it possibly could be. So anyways, I have hope. It's crazy to me that in 2020, we're, we're trusting pharmaceutical companies to dig us out of a, an economic and cultural deficit. What a year it's been. And then the only other thing that I really have to talk about is that I joined TikTok, everybody. I did it. A 34-year-old Casey McLean is on TikTok for some reason. What happened is I actually joined a while back and I posted like a couple of it. I didn't understand why it was beneficial. <sighs> I'm still skeptical, by the way, but I'm on TikTok. And then the worst thing that could happen happened, which is I remember several years ago, my mom went to the casino for the first time. And I told her, I was like, the worst thing that can happen to you at the casino is for you to win. And she's like, what do you mean? Isn't that the best thing? And I was like, yes, it's the best thing, except for it. There's no sweeter feeling than winning money. And I, I put that up against any parenting joy. Winning money, getting money that you didn't have to work for that's guilt-free. It's better than watching your child walk. Uh, it's great, and you become, that's what people become addicted to, right? It's, it's not the action, it's that feeling, it's that elation. 
It's the it's the feeling of getting something that you don't even think you deserve. And how the fuck what's what would I even get? Oh, TikTok. Jesus Christ. This is how you know. By the way, when you can't remember the topic you're talking about, that's a good sign you're too old for TikTok. The first video I put up with any earnest intention of, like, entertaining people on TikTok was a bit of mine that I like a lot. Uh, and you can find me at the Casey McLean on TikTok, by the way. But I go, I put it up, it gets, like, a limited limited traction, and I was like, ah, I fucking hate this platform. I don't want to, I don't think I'm going to keep putting stuff up here. And then I checked back. Like six hours later, 12 hours later, something like that. And it had 3000 views and 90 likes and it had been shared 15 times. And that's the kind of, that's the winning on your first hand of blackjack or hitting a jackpot on a slot machine your first time out that fools you into believing it will happen again because I posted another joke and it is full of punchlines and it is not getting nearly I actually thought it was like more relatable for people and zilch like a hundred views uh right at around a hundred like 75 to a hundred views on all of the segments of it so so <sighs> what you get for being an old guy on TikTok it seems like Joe Biden's still gonna be our president good or bad it seems like Joe Biden is still going to be our president. I'd call it better than the alternative. But I am ready, like I said with Gabe, I'm ready to start making some Biden jokes. I, I will say that. Oh, my God. How disgusting. Like an involuntary hiccup burp. Oh, it's falling apart here in quarantine. All right. Um, yeah, once again, DKC McLean on all social media platforms uh check me out on tiktok on youtube on twitter please subscribe to my youtube channel i'm trying to get it up once i get it up to 100 i can make a custom url and it's got an embarrassingly low amount of subscribers tons of stand-up clips on there i keep promising i'm gonna put up this video of backyard shows and i am uh i'm gonna start working on it actually right after this podcast so thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you one more time to Gabriel Rutledge. Follow him at Gabe Rutledge on, uh, on all platforms. And I will talk to you next week. <laughs>